Okay. Uh, what a blessing. Thank you for that. Here as we're in the, the book of Acts chapter 21, we find the early church, and I'm not talking about an early established church. I'm talking about a brand new church. I'm talking about believers. This is all new. New Testament Christianity. Things are just starting, just beginning. Uh, the Lord has trained the disciples three and a half years. And now we have, uh, with his, his leaving, 50 days, uh, the day of Pentecost. Uh, now the Lord, as uh, we see the Holy Spirit coming and uh, indwelling believers and working in a mirac miraculous way, and we see the church explode. I mean, we go from a few to 120, and now we have in one day 3,000 people accept Christ as their Savior and get baptized the same day. Now, some of you get bored. We've had 39 people baptized this year. <laughs> and, and you think about, uh, sometimes you end up having uh, multiple people getting baptized and people are looking at their clock. Okay, when is this going to be over? I got lunch. Uh, and, uh, but you end up seeing people get baptized. And can you imagine how long that baptismal service was? I'll promise you it wasn't just one or two people baptizing. Uh, there's no way. Uh, they had multiple individuals participating in that service. And, uh, and just an exciting time. But, but this church, you can see something about it right off the bat. Something that we have got to work at to have. And we're talking about community. There was a connection that those believers had right off the bat. Sometimes people will hear people say things like, well, you know, churches are just full of a bunch of cliques. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't Groups of people that connect. You know, the people that are in our music department, they spend a lot of time together. You say, well, I'm just not involved in that clique. Well, you show up two hours before every service and two hours after every service, and you'll get to be a part of that clique. <laughs> I mean, there's, there is an investment that they have made to be a part of that group. Uh, Vacation Bible School is big around here. And uh, during July, we have our VBS, and it is amazing. And we'll have, we'll have almost as many workers, workers as we'll have kids. And people are, uh, are, they just love being able to be a part of that. And, and you know what? With that, you have, there's an investment that people make. There's a lot of time and energy and effort. Our teachers, the workers, uh, they will transform this campus. I mean, this year, I don't know what kind of plane we had, but it was a big one. It, it covered this entire, uh, this entire platform uh, and a uh, big old huge plane. The kids ended up going inside it. They could see out. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Uh, you went to the different sites and all the different locations, all the classrooms. Uh, they did a phenomenal job. And you know what? Those workers that worked together, they had a connection. You know, church... There's got to be a connection. 
You know where that connection, it starts in Jesus Christ. There, there is something that the Lord does in the heart of a person. You know, when, when a person gets saved, now all of a sudden we are part of the body of Christ. We are a child of God. That means that you have brothers and sisters you've never met. And there's a bunch of them. And have you ever gone to a family reunion? And you go to a family reunion and all of a sudden, everybody knows you and you don't know anybody? <laughs> know how uncomfortable that is? But after a while and you're there, you make some connections. And it's almost as if you've known them forever because there's a familiar tie, uh, a familial tile, tie that is there. And the bond of Christ is that way for Christians. And being in Christ, uh, there is a connection uh, that we have. And so when we look at this group, this early church, they found some close relationships which manifested itself in generosity. It manifested itself in close community of believers. It manifested itself in a great purpose that people were working together to accomplish and all of this was not done in a vacuum where there were no outside pressures, no outside problems. Sometimes we look at the Bible and we look at the people that are in the Bible as if they didn't have real life to deal with. You know what? They still, they still had to put food on the table. They still had jobs. They still had responsibilities. They still had family. They still had uh, loved ones who were sick. They still had uh, the pressures and problems of, of everyday life. And then as a believer, a community around them that had just crucified their Savior. A world that had just crucified Christ. And so now they, this new faith that they have, they put their faith in Christ, the one that was just crucified. He was hated by the world, and yet they chose to willingly identify with him. You know what they recognized right away is they needed each other. You know what? God knows that we need each other. He has made us as social individuals. Now, the world we live in right now is a little crazy. I was talking to the teenagers. It's a little 5150, all right? The world is a little, it's unbalanced. And, and with that, the world that we live in, we find that uh, that. Things that are natural have been turned upside down. Because of labels, people have become withdrawn. You know what's done? All the labels and all these different identities, it's given people a pass on saying, oh, that's why I am the way I am. Now, there are people that are more outgoing than others. That's the truth. 
But God made us as a social being. So, Pastor, how, how do we know that? God made us to fellowship with him. Yeah. And not only did he, did he make us to fellowship with him, he put us in family units. And granted, some family units have been shattered, and we live in a fractured society. But that doesn't mean that we should just accept that fact. We should change that from this point forward. I can't change the past. But I can deal with my life from this point forward. And so here we find these believers, what happened is they got saved. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, it's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. And with that fresh start, he gives us a fresh family. He gives us a, a new group to identify with. Uh, and he makes us a part uh, of the church family, uh, if you would. And, uh, and so uh, this group of people, though, when you look at them, if you back up in chapter number one, and we're not going to look at it just yet, we find that these people should have nothing in common. Over 15 different nationalities are named. That means that there's different cultures that are there. There's different colors that are there. There are different ethnicities. There are different acceptances. There are different religious backgrounds. And all of a sudden now, when they accept Christ, all of that has to be dealt with. How many of you had a hard time sharing your faith with your family after you got saved? I mean, the two hardest people that I have ever witnessed to, the first one was my brother. The second one was my grandpa. Those were the hardest people to share my faith with. And, and with that, we, we worked through different dynamics you know, we have to choose what group of people are going to be our people. We want to belong. I'm glad when I look around, we don't all look the same. You know what happens? People walk in those doors from behind and they look around and they say, is there anybody like me here? Why? Because there is a sense of, am I going to be able to belong here? That's why prejudice should end when you get saved. There should be no prejudice at all. Amen. And it doesn't matter how you were brought up. In Christ, we're a new creature. And so 
Here, what we find, though, is all the differences that were with these different groups of people, they were able to come together. And what happened is that group became their people. It became the group that they were going to be a part of. People, people need some place to belong. You know, our gospel tracks, we just, we just shifted to Christmas tracks. Uh, so if you, don't, if you didn't get any Christmas tracks to pass out, they're back there on the track racks. Grab some. But we've got, here you go, Brother Franklin. Thanks, here. And so uh, we, we, uh, uh, we, the other tracks that we just replaced, they were a place to belong. You know why? Because people should feel like this is a place they can belong. But all of us, there's some decisions of things that we can do that will help us feel like we belong. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, your people, your people. You say, Pastor, how'd you come up with that title? I found that graphic. And I'm not smart enough to take the, the words out and change the title, so that became the title of the message. But the truth here is that we have to decide who our people are going to be. Who's going to be the people that I assemble with? Who's going to be the people that I identify with? Who is going to be that group? And if I am going to make those right decisions, this morning we're going to look at some things that this early church did that helped them deal with all the diversity, deal with all the, uh, the differences. Uh, and so we're going to look at that this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Uh, you know the needs of each heart. And uh, Lord, I pray that that each person would, would sense your love and your uh, care. I pray that they would sense the love and care that, uh, that is, uh, has been prepared in this message as well. Uh, and Lord, I want to help these people. And so I pray that you would bless, help all of us to grow this morning. Uh, so work, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, first and foremost, though, before we can really identify any of these things, it comes down to, are you in Christ? Because everything that I'm saying, uh, it, it is going to revolve around believers. Uh, this is revolving around, uh, the church was never designed for the lost. The church is designed for the saved. The church is an institution where the saints, are, where the saved, where they are edified, where they are built up, where they are strengthened, where they are, uh, uh, when they are uh, strengthened, where they are instructed. And so uh, the, the church is that place of, uh, of belonging. Uh, the music that we sing, there, there are people that think, man, what? What is with that music? That just, and you know what? We can change our music to be more, uh, to have more of an appetite to uh, those that are in the world or those that are lost. But the church's music, the church isn't about the lost. The church is about the saved. 
And so everything has to come from that perspective. Now, of course, we invite people to come, and there are, there are people that come uh, to church that were lost. That's what happened with me. Was not raised in church, went to church. Uh, and uh, and my, I went to church on a Sunday night against my will as a teenager. I sat in that service mad because my parents made me go. Uh, I was uh, 14 years old, eighth grade. Uh, and you know what? Parents, just because your kids, do, they don't want to do something, you're the parent. We don't ask them, well, do you want to go to school today? How can, we, how can we let them make other decisions, uh, spiritual decisions that are going to impact their life? Uh, that's a whole nother message. Uh, so we'll just move on. Uh, but here, uh, this group of people, uh, this was for the saved. And, uh, and Jesus removes all the barriers when pr- people get saved. He removes those prejudices. Uh, didn't matter on race, color, creed. Didn't matter on nationality. It didn't matter on political party. It, it wasn't based on religious affiliation. These people were from all over, from all, with all kinds of differences, uh, and even spiritual baggage uh, that they brought in. Uh, but, but with that, they found unity. And so let's look at it this morning. Uh, uh, first of all, I want you to see, uh, number one, uh, don't look for the differences. If we are going to be able to have that sense of community, we've got, we can't look for the differences. We can't look at the, the differences that we have. Uh, verse number four of Acts 2, he says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and be, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, notice this. Bible tongues is a language, not a gibberish. It's a known language. And so as they were speaking, as the apostles were speaking, the different people from different nationalities, they were understanding in their own tongue. Uh, verse number seven, or verse number six, it says, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, uh, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And so this was a known language. It would be like me walking into a, uh, to a group uh, that was Spanish speaking and I walked in to preach. Uh, I have preached with interpreters many times uh, down in Mexico and in Panama uh, and you start to preach. And if I was preaching in English, uh, what was happening with the interpreter, uh, the interpreter was listening to the English and then he was speaking uh, in, uh, in Spanish so they could understand what was being said. You know what? In this uh, situation, the apostles didn't need an interpreter. And there were people from at least 15 different nations uh, with different languages, and all of them heard them speak uh, in their own tongue. That was a, a great miracle. Uh, but, but here what we find is these differences. If we're going to have community in Christ, we have to focus on the relationship in Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, focus on the relationship in Christ. Uh, don't look at the differences. Don't look over and say, well, she's Korean. Or he's, he's Spanish. Or he's Filipino. Don't, don't, don't look at differences. You know what we should, we should recognize? Is that we're all in Christ. If you're saved, you're a child of God. That is the foundation for everything. So, so not looking at the differences. Does that mean that we don't have differences that we have to deal with? Sure. Uh, uh, Anna and Candace, uh, they're from South Korea. Uh, and uh, I'll ask Anna to do things. She's my secretary. Uh, and I'll ask her to do something for me. And I'll walk over. And she has written everything out that I've told her in Korean. And I'll, I'll look down at her paper and say, oh, somebody, somebody scribbled on your paper. I have absolutely no idea uh, what she just wrote, uh, but she can make that connection there. And, uh, but, but we can look at things. Well, we don't write the same. We don't speak the same language. We, this, that, or the other. There can be all kinds of problems if we're looking at differences. This New Testament church, these believers, uh, they were looking at, hey, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am, I am saved, and I'm not going to look at uh, the, dis, uh, the differences. Uh, and so uh, we have to realize that uh, if we are going to have community in church, if we are going to have those connections, connections, uh, then we truly have to, to uh, not focus on the differences. Now, 3,000 baby Christians, think about it, 3,000 new believers, you know what that church looked like? It looked like a hodgepodge. You know why? Because some of them were probably involved in idol worship. Some of them were probably involved and had been oppressed. We look at the maniacs of Gadara and the impact that Satan had on their life. There were a lot of different issues. There were differences that were there. And in, our, in the church, in the community, uh, we've got to realize that uh, there are going to be differences. Uh, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're family. We're family. How many of you ever had a fight with your brother? All right, your sister, you had a fight, all right? And, and with that, you're still family. My brother would pounce on me. He's way bigger than I am. And we'd go at it. And I'd always lose. But if anybody else went to pounce on me, he was right there. You know why? Because we're family. You know, there's a tie. The relationship of the church should be that way. The relationship of believers, it, it should be that way. Uh, Miss Deanna uh, came in uh, for Thanksgiving, Brother, Brother Franklin's mom. And, uh, and with that, uh, she's, she's a believer, loves the Lord. She comes to church and it's just like she fits right in. You know what? It should be that way. 
Why? Because there's that connection. So first of all, if we're going to have that, uh, that community, have the, the people in our lives, first don't look at the differences. Number two, see the needs. This group of believers in Acts 2, there were plenty of problems. There are plenty of differences. Don't focus on those differences. But then we see that we need to see the needs. If we want there truly to be relationships, we've got to see the needs. Look at verse 41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word. Now, notice that. Gladly received his word. Nobody gets saved with somebody putting their arm behind their back. Nobody is forced to be saved. Salvation is a personal choice. And here what we find is they that gladly received his word, they chose to accept Christ as their Savior. Then we find the natural response to that decision. First, there is salvation, and then you have baptism. They that gladly received his word were baptized. Uh, They weren't baptized in order to be saved. They're baptized because they were saved. And the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What, who were they added to? They were added to the church. Uh, they were added to the believers there. And so that salvation, they got baptized. They were added to the, the local church there. They are added to that group. Uh, and so uh, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls, verse 42. And they continued, who? They. Uh, these believers, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Notice this. The apostles' doctrine. You know why it was apostles' doctrine? Because everything hadn't been written yet. The truth hadn't all been revealed. God had not given the whole word. And so at that point, these believers, they were trusting that what God had given to the prophets, uh, they were taking that and they were following the apostles' doctrine. Now what we have is we have the whole Bible. And we have preachers that get up and they preach the Bible. And as they're preaching the Bible, we should be also, we should be continuing steadfastly in the doctrine, the teaching of God's word. Uh, it should not be unnatural, it should not be, uh, it should be the norm that believers are gonna follow the Bible. Amen. And every aspect of life, whatever the culture, uh, the, the environment happens. Uh, but anyway, we see here uh, that they, they got saved. It says in verse 42, and they continued fest- steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common. Uh, what do we find here? We, we don't find communism. Communism is not a part of God's plan. What we find is now that these believers, they were in Christ, now they saw that they had needs. And some had needs that they could not meet. Others had the wherewithal where they could meet. And so what we find is there was, there was, a, there was an understanding about what needs were. On one side, there were those who 
had needs, and they had, they had to be humble enough to be able to accept help because God was providing the help. Why is it that we don't want help, right? And in some cases here, there were real needs and God knew that they were there and he also supplied the answer. So we had those that had needs and they had to find themselves be vulnerable. How many of you like being vulnerable? No, it's not natural. But you know what? In, in close relationships, there has to be vulnerability. This lady down here on the second row, she knows me. She knows my strengths. She knows my weaknesses. There's vulnerability that's there. I know her strengths. I don't know any of her weaknesses. No, just kidding. But, but in a relationship, there is vulnerability. And in that vulnerability, there's also those walls come down. And you give people entrance into your life. You know, as brothers and sisters in Christ... There has to be that vulnerability. Nobody can know you if you don't take the wall down. Did you get that? Well, I just don't feel like I belong there. It's not because the arms aren't open. It's not because our people don't care. Because they do. Everybody but Brother John. No, people care. But if the wall's there, then there isn't that ability then to have that connection. And there's something about being vulnerable and then being generous. You see both of these things with this this group of believers. You see the needs. You see the needs honestly in your own life and you have to make yourself vulnerable You see the needs of others, and you also have to make yourself generous. You know, no one of us can meet the needs of everybody. Over the years, Devin and I have talked about this. Over the years, the amount of people that have come through the church, been saved, been here, people that we love, people that have been here and for some, some reason or another, whether they move or uh, whether they uh, just get out of church or whatever the scenario, there, there, are, there are relationships that no one person can keep with everybody. But you know what? Every one of us, if we were working together, we could keep some, some more of those relationships. They say that a person is able to have about 65 relationships. 
65 relationships. There might be more that you could recognize than that. But about 65 relationships. And if that's the case, if every one of us had 65 relationships of believers, man, these, these walls couldn't hold us. You know what? There were no walls that could hold that church. They weren't inside some building. And so uh, we see this, this group of people, and they were choosing a new group of people. They were, they were uh, assembling together. The word church is the uh, two Greek words, ecclesia, a called out assembly. Uh, and they were taken from one group and added to another group. They went from the lost, the unsaved, to another group of believers. And that is referencing the church there. And so uh, we see this opportunity. Uh, there was uh, not only the vulnerability uh, that uh, had to be removed there, or had to be there, uh, and uh, there could not be closeness when we are guarded. And so uh, with that as well, there also wasn't the opportunity for others to be generous if somebody isn't open and vulnerable. It goes, it goes both ways. And, uh, and so uh, you can't have community without generosity. Uh, you can't have uh, a relationship without love. And these believers, they showed that love. How did they show it? Uh, they showed it the same way the Lord showed it. He gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only life. Uh, and so uh, generosity, uh, you can't have that uh, relationship without love. Love is giving, giving of time. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's just thoughtfulness. Maybe it's writing a card of encouragement. Maybe it's visiting the shut-ins. Uh, maybe it's uh, giving of your talents. Uh, there's opportunities that you have to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. Uh, and you can give of yourself. Uh, there. Um, someone years ago, they gave me a bumper sticker. And I'm not a bumper sticker guy, but they gave me a bumper sticker and it said, yes, this is my truck. No, I won't help you move. <laughs> uh, I was so tempted to put that on my truck, but as a pastor, you can't put that on your truck. Uh, and, uh, but with that, uh, if, if you have a truck, you will get contacted by somebody to help you move. Isn't that the truth? Testify there. Uh, and uh, it's just a reality. But sometimes we have the ability to. Sometimes there's opportunities that we will have to be able to help. Uh, we can be giving of ourselves. We can be there for support. We might be there to give of resources. Uh, but, but what we find here is this group of believers that had so many differences, yet they still came together, yet they were still of one mind. Uh, thirdly, we see that they broke bread together. They broke bread together. You know what? There's something about sitting down together with somebody, eating a meal. How many of you had somebody outside your family over for Thanksgiving? All right, lots, lots, okay. And, and with that, uh, what happens? You get to know that person a little bit better, don't you? There is, there's an opportunity to connect. Food is a connector. How many of you want to connect right after service here. How many of you are ready? Pastor, get done so we can connect, all right? But breaking bread, uh, there's an opportunity. These, these individuals, they spent time together. 
outside the walls of the church. If we only see each other here, those relationships will be somewhat shallow. Have you ever got on an elevator? You get on that elevator, everybody's in the same boat. You're on the same plane. It doesn't matter what their occupation is, doesn't matter what their income is, doesn't matter what their health, it doesn't matter anything, everybody in that elevator is in the same boat. And you're connected just for a moment. I force myself to talk to people because I would just soon just be quiet. And in those situations, you know, there can be a small connection. How's the weather? There might be a few things that, oh, that was bumpy. Getting off on this floor? Who was the idiot that pushed all the buttons and made a stop on every level? <laughs> we, there, there might be some contact, but as soon as those doors open and you walk off, there's nothing else there. That's not how community is. Not how it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be a connection. You know, the people that you're supposed to connect with are your brothers and sisters in Christ. There should be some connection. One way that you can have that connection is break bread together. Go out to eat. Invite somebody over. Have them, have them come over from, for a cup of coffee. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. Invite me over. No, I mean, invite somebody over for a cup of coffee. It does not have to be something big, but there needs to be those connections. And those are ways that you can get to invite people over. Brother and Mrs. Gonzalez, they have people over often. Uh, what, what are they doing? They are connecting with other individuals. And there's other families like that that do the same. But relationships, uh, they are built. Uh, and with this, the term fellowship isn't only food. The term fellowship also deals with faith. It's not only about just that food. There's also that connection in faith. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And Christian fellowship isn't just about us getting together and having a good time. There also should be that strengthening, that sharpening, that building up of one another in our faith. And, uh, and so that breaking of bread, this church, they grew. Why? Because those relationships grew. The mature believers uh, were connecting with this, uh, these others that might have been immature believers or new believers, and they're strengthening them. Uh, and it's so important for that to to be the case. Uh, and so they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Fourthly, and I'll finish up just quickly here. Number four, volunteer. Volunteer. Choose to engage. Choose to engage. It's vital. How am I going to have community 
if all I do is sit back and observe. Yeah, I go to that church. I've gone there for years, and man, nobody even knows my name. You've got to choose to engage. The Bible says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. The onus isn't on everybody else. The onus is on you. The onus is on me. Just like, and I want our people to reach out and to, to, to learn names. Uh, Diego, uh, he's been here a couple weeks now. Uh, and uh, work at names. And there are times, uh, Ray, there, I don't know how many times I had to ask you your name. For some reason, your name just didn't stick. Finally, it has clicked until next week, and then it's going to be gone. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, you learn people's names, and, uh, and you say, well, I've already asked them their name. Sometimes I'll ask Brother Franklin, hey, go find out their name. I forgot it. Uh, and so he'll go ask, he'll go ask them for me. <laughs> Uh, but it goes both ways. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, we've got to work at this about making those connections. We've got to be purposeful on it. Community does not happen on accident. Church unity does not happen on accident. Relationships are not accidental. There's a God in heaven. Uh, he has pulled us here today. Amen. But now what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do? Uh, and we've got to recognize that there's opportunities that get, God has given to us. And so this area uh, of having uh, your group of people, your people, uh, the people that you're going to connect with, uh, this should be your church. It's not my church. This is our church. Make it yours. Make it yours. Make this body of believers your church family. And sometimes people don't want that because family, there's obligations. The amount of couples that are having children is getting fewer and fewer. You know why? And the, those having children are getting older and older. And it's the responsibility that's causing them not to have kids. They know, I was too dumb. No. <laughs> we, we had kids. I'm glad we had children, have children. But, but with that, there's, all, there's a responsibility. And everybody in the family has some weight to carry. And it's part of that relationship of family. There's expectations. There's expectations that we are going to help each other as family. But as a church family, same thing. Don't be on the outside. Don't, don't choose to isolate yourself. Choose to engage. Choose to be a part. Choose to volunteering. It is such a non-threatening way to get to know somebody. 
Hey, pastor, what can I volunteer on? I mean, there's, there's a myriad of things we can volunteer on. I got a list. Let me give you a list and then we're going to be done. Uh, opportunities we can volunteer. Landscape. You know what? You, you come up to mow a lawn, you don't have to talk to anybody. But you'll still be, Brother Bill will be here, Brother Rick, and uh, there'll be different interactions. And in that process, you'll get to know somebody a little bit more without all of a sudden having this huge expectation. Driving a bus, painting a wall, uh, plumbing, uh, HVAC, uh, there, we're at food bank. Uh, this, we, on average, we supply over 2,300 meals a month. 2,300 a month. This, this month, we put out over 6,000 meals. And, and with that, there's, there's opportunities for people to help with that. Uh, but volunteering, uh, during uh, uh, the last, the last uh, uh, week before uh, Christmas, we're going to be ho- housing uh, the homeless here on campus for a week. And giving them a place to stay, partnering with rest. You know, there are opportunities for us to serve. There are opportunities for us to invest in our community and our people and uh, not only this group, but also the community outside the church. Uh, But the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that binds us together. Are you saved this morning? Can you go back in your mind to a time, a place where you've personally accepted Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross? pay for your sin debt. If you have, then you've been born again. You are part of God's family. But are you a part of a church family? Because God made us to be social. He made us to connect. If you're not saved, we can help you with that today. Well, let's work at this area of community. Let's work at this area of growing in our relationships so we could be what the Lord would want us to be. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these that are here this morning. I pray that you would help each one. I don't know the needs of each one, but you do. And so I pray that you would help and just lead us and guide us. Heads bowed, eyes closed.